How much time, energy, and resources have you invested in helping someone that's struggling with an addiction only to watch them keep going back to it? You don't want to give up on them, but you're fast giving up hope that they'll ever change. Well, you can step off the addiction roller coaster and find a solution that'll work for both of you. Join addiction experts, hosts of the popular podcast, The Addiction Solution, and authors of The Freedom Model for Addictions, Mark Sharon, and me, Michelle Dunbar, to learn a solution that'll provide you and your loved one freedom from the addiction battle for good. It's called Families Moving Past Addiction Masterclass, and it's a three-hour live online free event where you'll hear information about addiction we guarantee you've never heard before. So if you love someone struggling with an addiction, then this masterclass is for you. To enroll, click the link provided and register soon for the date that works for you because each masterclass will only have 50 participants. We'll see you at the class. Welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Michelle Dunbar. Enjoy listening and watching as addiction experts Mark Sheeran and I cover controversial as well as helpful topics on addiction, how to move past it, and other related subjects. As two of the co-founders of the Freedom Model, Mark and I will give you a completely new perspective on the topics that matter to you. We will take to task the Recovery Society's lies and misinformation and replace them with facts, research, and the methods to move on from addiction struggles without 12-step meetings, rehabs, and the shackles of endless recovery. Let's escape the treatment and recovery trap together and learn to be free. Welcome to the truth. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Addiction Solution. I'm Michelle Dunbar. And I'm Mark Sheeran. And we are the co-authors of the Freedom Model for Addictions, Escape the Treatment and Recovery Trap, along with Stephen Slate. Now, people have asked where Stephen is. Um, Stephen is still a part of the Freedom Model. Uh, he lives in, um, in New York City, and we live in upstate New York. Right. Um, so, so we talk to him, you know, occasionally, and he's working on... Um, different new chapters for, for, uh, an update of the book, which, which, you know, we've been busy building different products up here. So, um, so, you know, the book itself will be updated at some point in the next couple of years. Yeah. Yep. Um, so today what we're going to do, first of all, you can get a free copy of this book at, um, freebook.freedommodel.org if you live in the United States. If you don't live in the United States, it's faster for you if you want a paperback to order it from Amazon um, because it will be printed in your country and shipped to you for much less expensive than shipping would cost from the U.S. And it'll get you much, much faster, even Canada. That's right. So um, so what we're going to talk about today, we've had... We've had people uh, in the group and we've gotten some new people, a lot of new people in the group in, in recent months, um, a lot of new followers, a lot of new, a lot of people taking advantage of getting the free book. Um, and if you want to know about our group, if you listen to this podcast, we have uh, the Facebook group, the Freedom Model Group is our official Facebook group where you can, you know, ask questions about the Freedom Model. We have a lot of members who have been there for a few years now who have read the book, who get it, um, and they can be really helpful if you have questions. Um, so 
one of the questions that that we get from people um, who are in the process of reading the book are is that they get to the point where they're like, I don't like this anymore. I don't see any benefits in doing this behavior or getting drunk and high all the time again. Yet here I am continuing to do it. Um, and it may not be just about drugs and alcohol. It also might be about, um, you know, other behaviors. We had somebody recently talk about, you know, porn and say things like, you know, I, I see no value in this. And yet I keep doing it. And yet I keep doing it. And, and so my answer to that, I I always feel a little bit, a, a little bad because I'm not trying to be trite, but the, the obvious answer is, well, that's not true. Right. You obviously have a massive preference for it. Yes. You so, see benefits in doing it. You see right. value doing it or you wouldn't. And so the key is going to be, because there's a difference. Look at both Mark and I, at one point in time, were heavy substance users, heavy, heavy drinkers. And I do remember thinking, like hating myself. So what you're talking about is the difference between hating yourself, feeling guilty, feeling shame, and still liking the perceived benefits. So right. you can you can have both. But you conflate that sometimes. That's right. You conflate that in thinking, That's right. But you know, I hate myself, so I hate this behavior because it makes me hate myself. But if you hated the behavior and you didn't see... So, so when you conflate these two things, if you don't figure out what benefits you see in it, what value you see in it, then it's nearly impossible to challenge that. You can't challenge what you don't know. And and without challenging the benefits, you're not going to change the preference. So here's it's an interesting thing because we do have this Facebook group where there's a lot of beginners, yes. freedom model beginners. Which is great. And and a lot of them or some of them tend towards looking for a solution in the group. Well, the solution's not going to be in the group. You might find some good little nuggets, but to change a lifelong or a maybe decades long or a, an annual sort of habit that you've built over time that you see massive value in, it's probably not going to change through a couple of posts. And I'm not denigrating what you're trying to do. I'm just saying that if if you're struggling that much, and some of these people are really struggling, I know what that's like. It's, I do too. I know it's freaking it's horrible like to feel like I'd rather be dead than keep doing this. Right. You feel so stuck. But those, but but if you're there, you may need more information than what you're gathering on your own. In other words, that's why we created the online program, the Freedom Model online program, where Michelle and I tutorial tutorials just like this. And, uh, and if that, that, if you need more help, we have coaching, this isn't an ad. We created these products for exactly that reason. I have no doubt that had I read the freedom model, I wouldn't have stopped drinking because it Mm -hmm. wouldn't have been enough for me. I needed to talk with Jer. I needed to sit down, look eye to eye one-on-one and say, I'm really, I need to discuss this over and over until I get it because I'm not, it's not gelling. Um, and th- those were the conversations that eventually. Well, and a part of it was because it. you were heavily steeped in the 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 um, disease mythology, the you know the mythology of substances. I mean, yeah, there was a massive amount to unpack. You there too is there is, and that's the thing. You know, 
now I'm going to say something and I'm not trying to be offensive, but if you're one of these people who's like, yeah, 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 I'm reading the freedom model. And I just, you know, I, uh, it's just, uh, obviously, you know, it, you can't just read a book and fix yourself. Well, you can. And a lot of people well, do. Thousands have. <laughs> they do. Thousands have. But, but, but here's the thing. I've said this before, I did a whole podcast on it, and sometimes you have to unpack beliefs in a certain, it's a process, Yeah, you know, and yeah, that was this, the layers of the onion, the uh, layers yeah. of the onion, and this, this thing, when you get to that point where you're, where you're, all your focus is on how badly you hate yourself, and how, what this drug what this behavior is doing to you when that's all you can see you're not going to you're not going to get to the point where you change your preference because because you have to so i for me i had i have to if i'm trying to change the behavior i have to set aside the consequences i have to set aside the fact that i you know wish i would stop I have to set aside all of that and only focus on, all right, I'm doing this. Why am I doing it? Yeah, that that's a great point. So we've done podcasts on this as well about guilt and shame being a veil that stops you. It's like having having blinders on. You, you can't, the thing that drives use, the single thing that drives heavy use or use of any kind or any behavior is the pursuit of happiness. Yep. That you see in the process of getting high and the results of getting high or drunk. So if you're not able to shamelessly yes. embrace the fact that you like it, I guarantee you're going to struggle forever because then if you That's sit right. there and you divert your attention to the shame, guilt, consequences, and trade-offs that are negative, and you stare at those, there's this massive thing staring at you in the face mm. called a preference, a desire, a, I like this thing, but people will literally, I watch it every day on our group. Yep. Blow that off and say, I can't fucking believe I'm doing this again. Yeah. Well, I, I believe it. I believe it because your actions belie your mindset. Yes. So your actions tell the lie you're telling everybody. I believe that you hate yourself. Oh, sure. I did too. I, did too. I believe that you feel guilty. I believe that you hate the costs. I, I, I guess lie is the wrong word. So I believe you on that. But the lie you're telling yourself is by omission. You're not looking at why you like it. What is the driving force for the use? So you're ignoring the very thing that's creating all of this, which is, I really like to get fucked up for A, B, C, D, and E reasons. Yep. Now, if you can identify A through E and say, okay, I'm going to let go of my shame and I'm going to look at all the reasons that I like it. And I'm going to shamelessly do that. Let go yes. of guilt. This is what I do with guests when I'm coaching them all the time. I say, this is a, a judgment-free zone. For the love of God, can we please talk about why you like it so much and be honest with me and be honest with yourself about it. Because when you're getting high, you're certainly honest with yourself about that. You're saying, yeah, 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 I'm going to go. I'm going to go do my little, <laughs> my little thing. So, so it's kind of nonsensical to try to fix the problem without identifying why you like it so damn much. 
And so we will do just about anything to blow that off because we've been taught by the people around us to say, I hate it yes. because you're being judged by them. So stop judging yourself. Stop worrying about what, what other people think and start saying, I like it for these reasons. Then we can figure out whether they're real or not. You know, what's amazing is working, working with, I mean, we've worked with thousands of people, the two of us and working with people who will get here, you know, when people will come to the retreat or they start coaching with us and, and they will be in that camp where, you know, I just hate this behavior. I hate it so much. I, I hate that I get drunk every night. I hate that I polish off two bottles of wine every night. It, it just, and they'll go through all of the, like the very first thing they talk about is all the bad stuff, all the bad consequences. But after, you know, Maybe, maybe that happens in the, in the first coaching session, but by this next, you know, I'll give them the assignment to read chapter four. I want you to try and set aside the consequences for just while you read that chapter, you're reading chapter four, and I want you to romanticize it again. I want you to romanticize the glass of, I want you to, to think your way through it as you're reading these reasons. And I want you to highlight every reason in chapter four that applies to you. And it's amazing. The next class, they come back and we start talking about the reasons and they, they're laughing and smiling and, and, you know, thinking of, yeah, I do like it for this reason and this reason. Now there's a reason the treatment programs don't go there with people. Yeah. Okay. Because they're like, Oh, you're going to make them keep wanting it. And, and to be honest, it's a money consideration for them because it's because they don't have a solution if they were to go down the path that, Oh, that, right, right. That, that is scary for them. Then the people are leaving because they're going to go get high. <laughs> and with us, they know that we're going to get past that. We're going to show them because they've seen the results. So, yes. so we can go there and then immediately start to challenge it. But treatment, it. treatment centers don't know how to challenge it. They, they romanticize because they believe it. it. Yeah, they believe it. They, 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 uh, you're told it's the best. You're, well, you're never going to feel as good as you did when you were high on heroin. Right. And so even the staff believes it and they've romanticized drugs. And it's this tenuous, tense thing. And you're practically locking people away and taking their cell phones away. And because you're infantilizing oh people to such a degree that you have to control them because after all, they're out of control. And my God, we have to lock them away to get their 30 days oh of insurance God. money. It's such bullshit. I, I, have, to, I bullshit. have to just digress for a minute and just talk quickly about being at um, this conference, this addiction treatment conference in Washington, D.C., um, or it was in Alexandria, Virginia. It was right outside of D.C., and this was 2009 or 2010, and it was right right before the Affordable Care Act was going to be passed, and, you know, the treatment industry was, was you know, in their glory, thinking, oh, there's a ton of money that's going to be had, and, and so th they romanticized it so much that this, this three-day convention, the night's the people that were there, the treatment providers that were there were partying their asses off. 
it was bizarro, right? Except for the people that were in recovery because about half the people in the treatment industry are in recovery. And the other half are people that are like, it's too bad that you, all you people in recovery can't enjoy this wonderful thing called alcohol or whatever they were doing. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so yeah. So yeah. And the recovery people were hiding away. We're hiding away because they yeah. were like, they know that this is going to be a, a drink fest um, for the people that are not in recovery. And, and so, so everybody, it is, it's like this dance that you're doing, like, like, yeah, it is pretty great. And it's too bad. You can't tie one on at the end of the, of a hard day. And so, no, but with the freedom model, we want you to, we want you to look at it, this stuff without shame, without guilt and say, okay, yes, I do like it because, you know, I do, I do feel like I need it to relax at the end of the day. I do. It does help me to celebrate on certain occasions. It does like, like we want you to not so we can say, Hey, it doesn't do that. Hey, it doesn't do that. It's so that we can walk you through the process of understanding. Okay. This is what alcohol does to your body. This is what you do with your mind interpreting. Yes, right, it. Right. Right. Interpret it. So let's get into benzodiazepines for a minute. So, so there's, there's, um, people take it for anxiety. Yes. Right. You did. And when... they, I, they will go to the mat that it takes away their anxiety. That's right. So, um, and I remember when you had trouble flying, they gave you benzos for the first time and you had the experience. And so, um, you felt like it, it made it easier to fly. Yes. Or no, no, what I, your, I, I didn't experience? take it to fly. I was, my doctor said it will help you to fly. It will relieve your anxiety. Well, I already know what I know here. And so I didn't believe it. And I wanted to keep my wits about me. So I didn't take it. But everybody I talked to that had taken it to fly said, oh my God, it'll, you need it to fly. You need it to fly. It'll help you fly. It's, it's, and, but my experience with it was different. I had to take Valium to get a cortisone shot in my hip. Right. Okay. So you have one situation that's mental and emotional, which is the flight. Yep. example. And then you want, you have one that's physical with the ticklish sensation. In yes. Your hip. I'm ticklish in the groin area where the needle would go. And you know, it's a giant needle. So there's a certain amount of, you know, jumpy, like I'm jumpy between being ticklish and getting a giant needle. Okay. okay. So I want to, I want to dig in here. So benzodiazepines do stop you from being jumpy because yes. The benzodiazepines work on the wiring system, the nervous system, the electrical system. That's how your muscles are run. Um, and it's also how the brain processes through electrical, chemical, central nervous system systems. And that system when is affected by benzodiazepines. So it makes sense to me that legitimately, if you take enough benzodiazepines, you won't be jumpy. As a matter of fact, if you take enough of it, you'll be dead because you'll stop breathing. It'll right, stop the signal right. going to your I heart and lungs. I had 10 milligrams of Valium, which is a pretty good dose of Valium. Right. So we know that physically drugs affect us because they are molecules. They are things that affect the body. But here's what's interesting about anxiety. Anxiety is a product of belief. It's called self-consciousness, right? Consciousness, mind. And so uh, let's say that you have acute anxiety. You have a belief that uh, going out into the world is a terrible thing and should you should be terrified. And you develop and, this over a childhood, let's say. And I, look at, and I've, I've had a panic attack before. Yep. I've so, had many of them. So I know, we, so we understand what they're like and, 
And so explain what a pan what happens. So with panic is it is acute self-consciousness. So you have a belief about yourself that maybe other people dislike you or the world is a bad place or just an or impending, that's, uh, impending doom, in, something impending bad is going to happen. Right. It's, it's centered on the idea that there's something bad that's going to happen and you become acutely aware of it and you have self consciousness. Right? And then you have physical symptoms. Yes. You, maybe your heart starts racing. You start profusely sweating, but shaking. But all of that is predicated on a belief. So it starts with a belief in the mind. The world is a bad place, let's say. It could be simple like that, but it can be all encompassing. It can be debilitating. And when you think it, processes in the brain, and then that then goes into fight or flight. You, the body doesn't know any different. No, nope. it, it's it's getting instructions. It believes what you're telling it. Yep. from your mind. It doesn't know the difference. It says the mind is or the brain tissue is telling me right now. Start getting ready for the fight, uh, going out into the world because because your belief is that it's a bad place. Um, right, your and, thoughts, your thoughts that you are doing. That's right. That your beliefs that you have learned, and created, or experienced can be all those things, but it's belief-based. Then it gets processed through brain tissue, the body reacts, and then you become aware of that thought. So it goes from your mind through your brain tissue, back to your mind, from your mind through the brain tissue, back to your mind. That's how life works. And that happens seamlessly, constantly, the entire time you're alive. Yes. It's called consciousness. Yes. Now, when you're acutely self-conscious, it creates uh, an effect in the body. Well, benzodiazepines take a couple of Valium and it slows down the, the brain. The electrical signals are slowed down. And so now there are two directions this goes in. First direction is the doctor tells you, you won't be anxious anymore. Benzos take care of your anxiety. Hmm. Your Xanax will take care of your anxiety. If you believe that, and then you feel the slowed neural functioning and your body because you will. Right, Phys right. It blocks that fight or flight chemicals, right? right. It, 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 that how it acts. That's how it acts on your body. On your body. But remember, your body isn't your mind. So then you, with consciousness, you become aware that your body is slowed down. Now, you don't parse it out this way because, because you're just going on a belief that the doctor told you this is taking care of your anxiety. So you interpret a slowed body, a slowed neural effect as anxiety relief. I no longer have to be anxious about these thoughts because I am high. I And what is high? I feel funny here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, here. you really do. Okay, you feel <laughs> funny. Very bizarre. Now... <laughs> just as many people take benzos and become scared. Right. And this is really, really important. We ignore that because the pharmaceutical companies would never want to publicize the fact that actually more people, it's not even half, more people reject they don't Xanax like it. the first time because the physical effect and the slowed neural functioning and the sloppiness of their body is not interpreted as anxiety relief. It is interpreted as increased anxiety. And that is, I don't fucking like this. Right. I'm not in control now, which we, I don't like, which we see with every type of drug across the board. And that is the vast majority of people that take heroin maybe in, in the form of morphine or painkillers or the vast majority of people who drink for the first time and get inebriated, 
the vast majority don't do it again, or they moderate it drastically and use it for some other function. And they don't have a problem with it because they don't build a preference for it. If, if the drug actually went into the realm of your mind and changed you 100% of the time through this chemical action, as the pharmaceutical companies and the beer companies, everybody wants to, you to believe, then everybody would say, fuck, I take a pill and I don't have to care anymore. Right. I mean, what a hell I, I would be taking it, right. but, but it's not reality. And so, so most people, and it's very important for you to know this, interpret it differently and you can too. That's the thing. But you have to start with your belief that this is the most amazing fucking thing on the planet. It takes away my anxiety. No, it's your interpretation of the physical things that you then interpret as anxiety relief, which means you could not take the drug and then take care of your anxiety a different way through some other interpretation, some other belief. I don't need uh, a benzo. I can let go of my anxiety through A, B, C, D, or E. Right. And that's, that's the freedom model. And look at, I, I made the decision. I, I had an intense fear of flying after 9-11. And Mark and I had to go on a business trip on the five-year anniversary of 9-11. You know, we had to fly out of Albany. Um, here we are. We live in New York where everything kind of went down. Yeah, we and knew people that died. We knew people that died. And we were, I was intensely afraid. I mean, and, but I also knew even then, it was 2005, and I knew that any anxiety relief I would feel from taking a pill would have been actually me doing it. That it that taking a pill wasn't going to change the my my fearful thoughts about what could happen getting on that plane. And I had to I had to reframe things. I had to think of things differently. And do you remember what you said to me? Then it was it was 9-11-2006 that we were flying. I said, it's the safest day to fly ever. Right. <laughs> They'll I be mean, the most the secu security. Security is going to be fucking crazy. Right. And at first I was like, no, no, I don't think that's true. But then I was like, you know what? He's right. He's right. And then I had to start thinking because it was the first time I had flown. I mean, I had flown a lot in the 90s and then I didn't fly for all those years. And, and I thought, no, he's absolutely right. And so you changed your belief, which lowered your anxiety. Yes. Yes. I changed my belief. I changed my thoughts about it. I was, I consciously lowered my anxiety by reframing things differently with no drugs involved whatsoever. Now I want to talk about our audience, which tends to be radical, like uh, Michelle and I were with their use. So they'll say to me, fuck you, Mark, the drugs do take my anxiety <laughs> away. And I go, wait a minute, wait a minute. How much benzos are you taking? Yeah. And then they tell me the dose and I go, well, yeah, you're pretty close to unconsciousness. Unconsciousness. What does that mean? Un, you become almost overdosed or unconscious. Right. So you can't be aware of your thoughts if you're shutting your brain off to the point to where breathing and heart rate are slowed to the point to where there's almost oxygen deprivation. There's all these effects happening and you're a sloppy mess. I get it. 
I get it. But you know what's interesting about that? Even then you're still thinking until you're completely passed out and right. overdosed. Right. So so even then you're inter- you're still interpreting because you're conscious enough to know it and enjoy it because that's what you prefer. Yeah. But it doesn't mean the drug is taking away thoughts. It might be it might make your body sloppy. It might make processing of thoughts slow. And then people say, yeah. And then they grab that and they go, yeah, that. And I go, okay, you can prefer that. I, I, don't, I don't even care. Yeah, well, that's I, the thing. I want, I want everyone to understand, look, at, we're not saying that nobody should want this or like this or do this. It doesn't matter to us. Right. You know, what we're saying is, is if you're reading the freedom model, it's probably because you're ready to make a change. And there's a part of you somewhere that knows this isn't really doing for me what I wanted to do anymore. That's right. So let's say that it slows down processing. That doesn't mean it changed the content of the thought. The anxiousness of the thought has not been eliminated by a drug. It has just slowed the process. Then you with your own mind, the same mind that is making your anxiety with beliefs has a new belief. And that is the drug is taking away my anxiety. So therefore you have anxiety relief, but it ain't the drug. You're the interpreter. You are the interpreter of both the drug effect and your physical being and the source of your anxiety. And you're the one making the decision to, to see the drug effect in your body as stress or anxiety relief. You're creating that thought that belief because drugs don't make beliefs. Yes. Drugs don't make beliefs. I'm going to say a third type. Drugs don't make beliefs. Drugs affect processing speed one way or the other, but they don't change the content of your beliefs. So stop giving them credit for that. Start taking credit for something that you, it's you, you are your mind literally. So, so people I'm going to wrap this back around to the, to the group. People will look at these situations in a cursory fashion, expecting a couple of posts to change them. They're waiting for somebody to fix them and give them the right sentence. Not everybody, but, no, but no. I'm, I'm talking to a very, you know who you are. All right. I did it for years. I'd go to AA sporadically when I was drinking and drugging and do all this counseling and shit. And meanwhile, I'm hating my life and I'm hating what I'm doing, but I'm, but the preference, my belief in the magic of drugs, the bullshit that I was sold by pharmaceutical companies and beer companies. I, I imbued that physical sensation with all that crap. So if you want to change that, you have to change it with enough data where you really frame out, holy shit. I am bullshitting myself like in a massive fucking way. I am bullshitting myself endlessly about the value of drugs and the capabilities that I've given it, the imaginary capability that it can change my mind and change my environment and change how I see everything in the world. It can't do any of that. Well, I want to, now I want to transfer that to the non-substance behaviors. Okay. That, that we have in our, some of the people in our group, um, whether that's, you know, porn and masturbation or, um, gaming or online shopping or whatever your behavior is gambling, you know, whatever your behavior is. And, you know, there's all this neuro jargon about, 
what you need to understand is when we're talking about substances, you're actually ingesting something that people have a very strong belief that it's doing these things for them. With these other behaviors, it's it's more you're not ingesting anything. Um, it's more this internalized, or even if it's food, it's this internalized thing that I like to do this to the exclusion of everything else. Well, the question becomes why, right? Yeah, that's everything. That's it's like your beliefs. Yeah. Do you genuinely believe that you're happier, right? Doing nothing but that activity. Do you like that activity enough? And if you do, okay. Right. Right. If you do, okay, stop beating yourself up about it. Stop, you know, maybe, maybe the key there is to, to kind of figure out, you know, how, maybe how can I be happier just reducing it a little bit, a little bit, just going out and doing something else for a change. You know, um, what do I really trying to get out of this activity that it can't give me? Yeah. So, so, so make sure though, that what Michelle is talking about isn't mindless, right? Isn't coupled. If you keep the same belief that the drug has the capacity to change the content of your thoughts and make your world better inside the realm of your mind and how you feel about the world. If you believe that the drug is responsible for that change or in the you, behavior. Yep. Yeah. Or even the rituals around drug, all of it, all, all of those beliefs. If you retain those beliefs, but then you want to change the costs, you can't because the beliefs are going to drive heavy use and the costs are coming, dude. I mean, that's just the way it is. The trade-offs are the trade-offs are the trade-offs. So, so, so many of the people will say, I hate myself. I hate what I'm doing. I hate, I hate, I hate, but, but, and then, then they conflate the, the costs with, I, I hate drug this. use. I hate what I'm doing. And that's not true. It isn't true. Because your actions belie the truth. You love the drug. You love what you're doing. Based on perceived benefits that may be true or not. If, if you told me, I love the physical sensation of a 12 pack. Got it. Keep drinking. Right. Truthful, truthful. But if you tell me I love the physical sensation, the heat going up the back of my neck, the warm sensation, and you know what? I don't have to give a fuck. Now there's where we go into the realm of the mind and we're creating extra value. That's absolute 100% bullshit. Exactly. The drug is not doing that. That's you. So you could do that without the drug. Absolutely. Or you can continue with the charade. And pay a heavy price because drinking has a heavy cost. That's fine. Right. I used to box. It has a heavy cost, but I liked it. Yeah. Then eventually I stopped because I didn't like it so much. So, but, but it's this inappropriate framing that drugs and alcohol have some capacity to change the human mind, which is a metaphysical thing and change the content of our thoughts for us. That is the grand lie that every pharmaceutical company and every beer company wants you to believe because they build value into it. And until that belief changes, you are going to continue with heavy use. So I want to say something for the people that are like, um, I read the, I'm reading the book. Or if you're listening to the book, I can listen to a book, an audio book and miss half of it. 
because my mind, um, I'm that person, my mind wanders. I start thinking of other things. If if that's you, or if that happens as you're reading a book, because sometimes that happens to me too. Oh God, me too. Yeah. You know, um, then maybe the online program is something that would be of more value to you. Yeah. Look at, this isn't an ad. People sometimes get pissed at us and they say, oh, you're always pushing your products. You know what I am? I'm I am. pushing them. They because, change people's lives. Yeah. Because you know what? There are people out there that don't know about them and they're struggling with the book. I would not have done well with a book. Me personally, I'm at the point now as a researcher where I've read enough and I've taught myself, but Me too. dude, when I was coming off a six month bender and my life was in disarray and I was in treatment all that time, I was mind dead. I was, yeah. I was, I needed a human being. I needed coaching. So we have, there's three levels of care in the freedom model. There's the book podcast, sort of, sort of almost passive, really reading a book is, is not that intense, but I, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to really dig into a book at that stage in my life. I no. needed somebody to talk with me and it took Jerry some time with me to unravel how fucked up I was yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know? and my beliefs were crazy. I grew up in a completely fictional world about drugs and alcohol. I mean, the beliefs were really, really crazy. And for me, it took, it took re reading a lot of reading, a lot of reading. I'm a voracious reader and, yep. and, but I read a ton of different stuff and, um, and yeah, I had people to talk to mainly Mark really, um, that, you know, what, that I had to talk about what I was reading. Yeah. So, so that, so some of you, so the three levels are, you sort of have the podcast, the book, um, our YouTube channel. Those are sort of passive where you're, you're, you're kind of there and you can get the information and depending on the style of learning that you have, that works. It works for thousands of people. Absolutely. Most and, people. And it's incredibly, incredibly affordable because it's free. Right? <laughs> so right. almost everybody enters the freedom model through that sort of angle, that portal. And then we have uh, the online program for people that learn visually. Sometimes you need a tutorial like this, like what we're doing right now. If you're watching the podcast, this is how we teach the 95 video tutorials in uh, but each, the each online program. Lesson, there's, I mean, there's so many lessons and each lesson, you know, takes a key point in each of the chapters. So, um, so you can say, oh, I'm learning chapter four. Well, there's two videos for chapter four that where we teach it. That's right. So, it, and, and the beauty is you have the entire um, table of contents and all the lessons laid out for you. You can pick and choose and you can say, oh, I'm struggling with that. Oh, I'm struggling with that belief. Yep. I'm struggling with that belief. And so if you're a visual learner, it, you do the online program coupled with YouTube. And I guarantee you, if you're a visual learner like I am, uh, that is going to be a powerful, powerful tool. That's why we built it. And then if you need people to talk to because you're in deep, or there's just maybe one topic that you need to really nail down, do a session. Yeah, do a coaching do, session. Do one coaching session. Or in the online program, you go, you write your every once a month today uh, while we're recording today on a day when we're actually doing a live question and answer, the last Wednesday of every month in the online program, you can come on and talk with us. That's right. So if you enroll in the online program, you could, you could like she said, go through an entire month's worth of tutorials. And if five of them are bugging you, and you want us to talk to us, then get into the live session with us and talk. Yeah. And ask a question. Now there'll be other people in there, but if you want to talk with a coach privately, 
Um, then you call the toll-free number and you set up a private coaching session. Um, I mean, so, so there's all these different levels. You don't have to just stay on Facebook or one of these and struggle. Uh, yeah. Yeah. These message boards and, and just, and just wander. You don't have to do that. If the book isn't enough for you, take it to the next level. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's, there was an, we have another service that we're offering now, um, to, for families called the families moving past addiction masterclass. And it, holy cow, is it popular? It we is got, popular. Yeah. We, it, our next one is scheduled. This is going to be released, um, next week. So it'll be released pretty much the day before. So our next one is scheduled for April 6th, which is Thursday. And, um, I think this will be released on a, on that Wednesday. Um, and it's from two to five during in the afternoon. And, and that's actually a, we have a lot of people signed up for that one already by the time this airs it may be full. Um, cause we're, we're only taking 50 people at a time, yeah, um, families. but we will have a new one scheduled for later in April and then, and then two more scheduled in May. So we'll just, you go to the freedommodel.org and family resources, and it's a three hour, uh, kind of crash course for families on the freedom model. Yeah, it's awesome. And families absolutely become empowered and understand a solution. For yeah. So if you're doing the, the freedom family. model and you have you know, your spouse, your parent, your sibling, whatever is going, what are you doing? Tell them to enroll, enroll, do the masterclass, and then you'll talk to them about it. That's it. Okay. Well, thank you, everyone. What a great show. And we will talk to you next time. All right, everybody. Take care. <laughs> Bye. We want to send you a free copy of our revolutionary book, The Freedom Model for Addictions. To help us bring this incredible gift to you, we ask that you pay a small fee for shipping. Learn how tens of thousands of people have permanently solved their addictions without steps or meetings and make 2023 your best year yet. Give yourself or someone you love the gift of total freedom from addiction. Click on the link to get your free copy sent to you today. Are you struggling with a drug or alcohol problem, but you don't want to go to rehab or group meetings? That's why we created the non-12-step Freedom Model Coaching Program in 2011. Through video conferencing on Zoom or Skype, you can work privately with a certified Freedom Model Coach from your home or office on your schedule. And here's the best part. With the Freedom Model, you'll never be labeled an addict or an alcoholic, and we won't tell you to go to 12-step meetings or hamper your life with endless recovery rituals. Instead, you can learn exactly why addiction isn't a disease and how you can solve the problem for good and move on with your life. Do you want to be completely free from your addiction? Do you want to never have to attend meetings, rehabs, or addiction counseling ever again? And do you want to solve your problem from the comfort of home? Then call us at 888-424-2626 to talk with a Freedom Model coach today and experience the Freedom Model difference.